Well, hello everyone. This is the Born on This Day podcast. I am your co-host, Bill Antonio. And I am joining him today. I'm Amanda Barker. How are you feeling today, Amanda? I'm feeling pretty okay. Not feeling too spaced out? Not jonesing for anything? Not oh. feeling the munchies in any way? Um, I have a dry mouth and red eyes, and I just oh, don't know why. <laughs> and you're, you said that you just ordered four pizzas. Uh, today is National Weed Appreciation Day. I don't know why it's not on May the 4th, but anyway, it is today. Uh, which each year reminds us that some weeds are beneficial to us and our ecosystem. I think there are many kinds of weeds. I think you're sort of honing in on one. <laughs> well, because it's National Weed Appreciation Day, that's why, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we're not talking about <clears throat> those kinds of weed. Humans have used weeds for food and as herbs for much of recorded history, which you would know if you were Greek and you had family members who would stop on the highway in front mm. of everyone and collect dandelions. Italians do it too, and it's yeah. actually one of my favorite side dishes. Ugh. In Italian, it's chicoria. How do you say it in Greece? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway, some weeds are edible and nutritious. Others have medicinal value. Do you remember, as a small child, the fun you had with dandelions? Yes, I used to rub them all over my clothing, and it would piss my mother off because she had to wash them <laughs> after. Uh, humans eat young dandelion leaves and enjoy tea and wine made from the leaves and flowers. Native Americans, as is written in this dated um, thing, used dandelions <laughs> to treat specific ailments. Nutritionally, dandelions contain a source of vitamin A and C, calcium, iron, and fiber. Let's all go get high. Amanda, tell us about what it means to be born on March 28th. I will say this was probably American. That part of the copy was probably American. Um, And there are certain terms they use in the States that we do not use on this Mm -hmm. side of the border. But if your birthday is on March 28th, you are likely to do the unexpected. While you may be impulsive, you are still a thoughtful, cheerful, and idealistic person. Those born on this day are very open. (laughs) 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 Well, Marco, you're the one who has to edit it. And God only knows. I don't want to tell anyone what he's written down. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, those born on this day, he likes to go, he's upstairs and he likes to um, tinker around uh, with the copy knowing that we will um, get to it. And uh, he knows that I cannot keep my cool, particularly when I'm trying to. And he writes things that he wants me to say. Um, tell us about Diane Weist, please. Yes, for the love please. Of God, my favorite on this her. list, my favorite on just about any list. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. Diane mm-hmm. Weist originally had ambitions as a ballerina before acting took over in college. She played Desdemona opposite James Earl Jones in Othello on Broadway, then made her film debut in Claudia Wiles' It's My Turn in 1980. <laughs> Wheel, file. Um, after playing a small role in The Purple Rose of Cairo, Woody Allen wrote the role of Holly in Hannah and Her Sisters with her in mind, and she won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. She collaborated with him again in Radio Days, September, co-starred in The Lost Boys, Edward Scissorhands, and was nominated for another Oscar in Parenthood. I love her in, in The Lost Boys. Oh, my God. I love, I love everybody in, in The Lost Boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Julie, there's just so much about this that bothers me. I don't know what to think. It's that Todd fellow, isn't it? At least there's one where I can see his face. oh here's one for my wallet anyway in 1994 she starred in Allen's Bullets Over Broadway one of her greatest ever performances becoming the first actor since Shelley Winters to win Best Supporting Actress twice she don't speak don't speak oh my god it's such a great scene I haven't had a drink in three days you know how good that is for me um What about New Year's? That was Chinese New Year's. Anyway, she was in Practical Magic, 
two seasons. <laughs> that, was, that was my Harvey Firestein impersonation. Now she says, I haven't had a drink since New Year's. And it was, oh that was Chinese God. New Year's. Well, that's three days. You know how good that is for me. Mm. She filmed on that film, because, uh, you know, Woody is famous for having these really, really long um, shooting periods where sometimes he might come in and say, we're scrapping everything. We're starting all over again. And because he knows this about himself, he has like the reshoots built into the budget, into the schedule. So they filmed that movie for a few weeks and she kept telling him, I'm not, I can't do this character. I don't know what I'm doing. You have to find someone else. Oh wow. Because yeah. And he's like, no, no, you're going to do it. Like you're doing this role and I'm not re- I'm not casting anyone else. And then one day the voice came to her, the don't, cause you know, that was not how it, she ever acted in anything. Mm-hmm. You know, not at all. You don't came, even know it's her. Yeah. Totally. And once the voice came, everything fell into place and mm-hmm. the, the rest of it just like, you know, mm-hmm. went like magic so anyway she was in practical magic two seasons of law and order and a season of in treatment the film's sisters the mule i care a lot with rosamund pike and let them all talk with meryl <laughs> streep for five seasons she starred on life in pieces uh there was an article about her not being able to pay her rent a few years ago which i hope is no longer a problem because mm-hmm. i absolutely adore her she was born on this day in kansas city missouri in 1948 well, who knows what her rent is? I mean, she probably lives in Manhattan. $4,000 a month. Well, that's actually not even that bad. From New York? No, it's... Yeah, like when you compare... But but I I will say this. She's... Well, she must have had to move to L.A. because Life in Pieces is L.A. But she, uh, or at least when she's shooting, she's so good in Life in Pieces. I love her in everything. But um, yeah. uh, I Life in Pieces is a really... It's, it's a little bit hit or miss, but it's mostly hit. And she's... Uh, so good with um, James Brolin. Oh my God, the two of yeah. them together are fantastic. I don't know if you've watched it, but they, they are fantastic together. It's so I love funny. people who defy the odds. They're my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, with her, it's that, you know, she has those sweet eyes that close yes. when she smiles and she has that very high pitched voice. Yes, yes. And you have no choice the moment she speaks but to take her seriously. Like you don't mess with her. Despite yeah. the fact that she doesn't present as someone that you don't mess with. Yeah. And it's not something she has to work over on you. It happens, you know? Yeah. Like she's so she's just very commanding. I love her so so much. There's an episode, I think about it a lot actually, where she's she's terrified of the Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> and they know she's terrified of the Roomba and they're trying to get her. So they start playing these tricks on her where she thinks the Roomba, they put a camera on the Roomba and, they, and she thinks that it's all from the Roomba's perspective. And she thinks the Roomba's like coming for her and that it's like, oh. it's like possessed. <laughs> Anyways, it's very funny. I should see it. I've, I don't think I've ever seen much of her TV work. I've mostly followed her in movies and mm-hmm. she like, I care a lot was the first good movie role she'd had in a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and she's so great in Bullets Over Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I want life to open up for you like a big, giant vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how I feel about Woody Allen, but I do love that movie. I really, really it's do. It's very good. Yeah. Anyway, um, Julia Stiles, uh, let's talk about her. She began acting professionally at 12, making her debut in Cindy Lauper's video for Sally's Pigeons and appearing on the series Ghost Rider. She auditioned for Interview with the Vampire, lost the role to Kirsten Dunst, which is very funny because Marco thinks they're all the same person. Well, that makes sense, though, because they're all the same age and they're all a certain type, which means they were probably all pulled in for all the same roles. Yeah, for the, and know, they're the all blonde. Movies. And to yeah. be honest, quite they're kind of for, from 
they're all there's a nondescriptness. Um, yep. Anyway, she lost the role to Kirsten Dunst, making her film debut in "I Love You, I Love You Not" with Claire Danes and Jude Law, and then becoming a famous name after her performances in Ten Things I Hate About You" and "Save the Last Dance." She was sort of the ultimate '90s girl next door. Yeah, um, where it's like the roles were always, and I don't mean this to crap on her because she was young and good for her for taking advantage of all the opportunities that came her way, but it was mm-hmm. never, as someone who was like, still, who still felt I was being spoken to by those movies because I was, the you know, the age that that was being appealed to. Yeah. She was never a person in those movies to me. She was always just an attitude. It was always yeah, like, totally. you know, um, that kind of like, I'm a, I'm a girl and I reject everything and, and I'm above romance and which is cool. But like the, I found so many in so many of her movies, it was never much more than just that attitude. Not she actually was always a like fully rounded person. Yeah. She was tough. And, um, and like, to be fair, you're right. They weren't the best writing, but she also didn't add a whole lot to the writing yeah, other yeah. than I have a low voice. Like right. that was kind yeah, that's of what it. I mean. Yeah. I'm, she was I'm totally all, with like you. you. said nondescript. Like she wasn't like pretty in a way that made you feel intimidated she made you feel like you could do it too and so it's like anyway yeah i think she had a moment and then when that moment was kind of you know morphing or playing um she you know she's still around anyway she played nikki personally i never wanted to watch people who were relatable even though you know obviously uh, like i was never a girl but uh, i was a gay man so i you know i was and uh (laughs) but i I only ever wanted to watch people who i thought were exciting and extraordinary it never mattered to me that people were like mediocre and made me feel like I could do it too anyway right right I hear you like you you didn't care about people that you could put well yeah she's one of those people that people could vision visualize themselves in her yeah um it's what I call the um uh the 50 shades of gray syndrome like the character so boring that anybody could be here so everyone can imagine that they're her yeah and the male version is things like the matrix or like anything Keanu Reeves does where the man is so boring that any guy can imagine being that hero yeah anyway I'm sorry she played Nikki in the Bourne franchise starred on a season of Dexter for which she was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Emmy uh yeah, I'm not a fan of Dexter. And appeared in the film Silver Linings Playbook and Girl Most Likely. Currently, she's on the series Riviera. Never heard of it, um, but good for her. Yep. I remember reading an article in the 90s that she likes sushi. Who knows? Anyway, she was she's, born on this um, day in New York City in 1981. Good friends with Michelle Collins. They went to college together. Oh, that is so yeah. weird. They're she's had her so her, different. She, I know. She's had her on her podcast, and Julia comes off as lovely. So in case she's listening to this, yeah. I will say also that like as an adult, uh, when I, once she started doing things like the Bourne movie, and like more recent stuff, I find her so much more interesting. And you mm-hmm. know, so I think she was doing exactly what she was getting directed and cast to. Absolutely, do. and, and you know we've do. talked about this before. It's such a shame that like this the business is so obsessed with them when they're like seventeen. Oh, I know because they're selling a fantasy. Yeah, and that's when they're not interesting. And then she's like thirty five and doing killer work, and no one is watching it, and no one cares. Yeah, you know, yeah. except for gay men. Yeah. Um, so Riviera's on the Sundance channel, I think. Oh. I see ads for it all the time, but I've never watched it. Speaking anyway. of gay men. Speaking of gay men, at 14, Stephanie Germanotta was performing open mic nights at clubs and bars. By 17, she was accepted early into the Tisch School of the Arts with Rana Glickman's son, but left after <laughs> two years to pursue her musical career. She was signed to Def Jam Records, but dropped after a few months, then signed to Streamline Records and became a sensation with her first album released under her stage name, Lady Gaga. The fame had a slow start when it was released, but after the success of the song Just Dance, there was no stopping her. Hit singles include Bad Romance, Telephone, 
Alejandro, my favorite. Our later albums include Born This Way, Art Pop, Joanne, and her collaboration with Tony Bennett, Cheek to Cheek. Her successful ventures into acting include a Golden Globe for American Horror Story and an Oscar nomination for Best Actress in A Star is Born, for which she won the Oscar for Best Original Song for Shallow. She has 12 Grammy Awards and has sold more than 150 million records. She was born on the stand in Manhattan in 1986. I will say my favorite Lady Gaga, Stephanie Germanotta story, of which there are a gajillion. But um, my personal favorite, my friend uh, and at the time uh, person that I was performing with and on tour with, this girl, Kira, she had a friend um, who was recording her demo and she had been recording her demo with this music producer. So she went over there and um, and I think Kira was with her, which is how I came to know the story. Anyway, they were over there together. And as this girl's recording the demo, the producer's girlfriend is sort of hanging around. And she says to her, it's so funny. She says to her, like, what are you, what makes you special? Like you're recording your demo. Okay. You want to make it? What makes you special? And so Kira's friend was like, well, I don't know, you know, and I'm this and I'm that. And I like this and I'm that. And she's like, but that's not what makes you special. And she said, what you have to think about every day when you wake up is what makes me different from Gwen Stefani. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, listen, I can do all the things you can do. And I'm an amazing musician and singer, but I'm going to give the people exactly what they want, which is pure pop. That's what people want. That's Mm. all they want is just pure danceable pop and that person was lady gaga because like a year later uh just dance came out and uh kira was like oh my god we met her and she was a little bit you know they probably thought she was obnoxious i have no idea but Mm -hmm. i mean it was also probably good advice but i just love this idea that lady gaga every day would wake up and go okay what makes me different from gwen stefani I still have a very, I never think of that album as being all that influential on me. And yet I still have a very clear memory of the very first time I listened to her first album, Waiting for the Bus Outside My Second Apartment hmm. on Avenue Road. I mm-hmm. have a very clear memory of that night of listening to it while waiting for the bus. So Interesting. Clearly it made an impression. Well, Vince Vaughn made an impression when he moved to Hollywood and booked a few early gigs on television. He had a small role in the movie Rudy before his lead in the film, written by his buddy John Favreau, made them both indie stars. Swingers, it was called, and it created a resurgence in the popularity of swing music at nightclubs. Remember so all those conscious. remember all those swing bands? You know who was oh, in one of those God. really um great swing bands was our dear friend Melanie that we were just talking about. Right. There were a lot of great bands, but there was also a lot of clubs that would play not live music, but you would go and they would like, everyone put on their khaki pants and thought they could dance to swing right, yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just a lot of well, swing, swing Kids was another one, right? That came yeah, out a little yeah. bit before. But um, yeah, what was the name of the one she was in? The Something Something Orchestra. I can't remember. Mm. It was it was big news in the 90s in Canada. Anyway, um, and it led to Vaughn having high-profile roles in The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Psycho, The Cell, and Domestic Disturbance. He co-starred in the hit comedy Wedding Crashers with Owen Wilson. And uh, somebody uh, watched either him or John Favreau, we think John Favreau, mm-hmm. was pitched uh, a little indie Canadian movie called Sex Camp, um, which um, nobody wanted to have anything to do with. And then the exact same plot and exact same characters right. uh, came out as Couples Retreat a few years later. Right. Yeah. Anyway, more recently, he was in Dragged Across Concrete and the horror film Freaky, which I've heard is good. He was born Mm -hmm. on this day in Minneapolis, surprisingly. I didn't know that. In 1970. 
Laura Harrier appeared in the New York indie films The Last Five Years and Fourth Man Out before making her major debut in Spider-Man Homecoming in 2017. She played Patrice in Spike Lee's Black Klansman and was the lead in Ryan Murphy's Netflix series Hollywood in 2020. She was born on the stage in Chicago in 1990. While we lost Conchetta Farrell in October, the great character actress who is best known for her Emmy-nominated turn as Berta on Two and a Half Men and as the woman that Julia Roberts calls Krispy Kreme in Aaron Brockovich, hmm. she pursued a life in the theater after graduating from Marshall University, appearing on Broadway as a member of the Circle in the Square Company and off-Broadway, winning the Drama Desk Award and Obie Award for Edger, Ed, Edward sorry, J. Moore's The Sea Horse. My goodness, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Notable film roles include Mystic Pizza, who didn't love it, Edward mm-hmm. Scissorhands, who didn't love it, and a recurring guest spot on L.A. Law and the comedy Mr. Deeds. Her last appearances were the series The Ranch and the TV movie A Very Nutty Christmas in 2018, two years before her death at the age of 77. She was born on this day in Charleston, West Virginia in 1943. She was so great. Mm-hmm. Reba McIntyre caught the attention of country artist Red Steagle when she performed the national anthem at a national finals rodeo in Oklahoma City while still a sophomore in college. She signed with Mercury Records in 1975 and released her first solo album two years later and since then has recorded 32 more albums. Her hits include Rumors, Does He Love You, Is There Life Out There, Consider Me Gone, and Turn on the Radio. Her sales of more than 75 million records worldwide and her 24 number one singles earning her the title of Queen of Country. In 1990, she made her acting debut in the film Tremors, starred on Broadway in Annie Get Your Gun, and for six seasons starred on the series Reba, for which she was nominated for a Golden Globe. Never watched it, but it was my aunt's favorite. <laughs> Most recently, she was a guest on Young Sheldon and appeared as the super cool Trish in Barb and Star, Cota Vista Del Mar. She was born on this day in McAllister, Oklahoma in 1955. Brett Ratner is one of Hollywood's most successful directors of the last two decades, beginning his career with music videos in the 1990s before his first movie, Money Talks, in 1997. The following year, he directed the surprise hit Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. He became an A-list filmmaker, following it with the film's two sequels, Red Dragon, After the Sunset, X-Men 3, Tower Heist, and Hercules. His films have earned more than $2 billion at the box office. He is also the co-founder of Rat Pack Entertainment that has produced around 75 films for Warner Brothers, not too shabby. In 2017, seven actresses, including Olivia Munn, Elliot Page, and Natasha Hensridge, accuse Ratner of sexual assault and rape. That's more than too shabby, after which Warner Brothers cut all ties with him and chose not to renew their $450 million co-producing deal. Well, I'm sure he's um, crying into his millions and cursing all of them. He was born on this day in Miami Beach, Florida in 1969. I had never heard about this. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I remember about it because I remember it was Natasha Hemstridge's uh, interview that I remember reading. That, oh, wow. Uh, I was like, oh, that's good. She said that he raped her. It, oh, really my terrible. God. Yeah, like really bad. Not that anything I ever knew about him um, made it surprising to me in any way. Ugh. And I also wonder... I wonder about when I read that, you know, big companies, you know, are cutting their deal with him just because corporations are much more interested in profit than they are in, you know, being human. And also corporations are also very nervous about um, leaving themselves open to lawsuits. Right. And if you fire something, if you fire someone based on something that someone has alleged in an article, you know, they could very 
easily sue you. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, unless he's actually been a, a convicted, right? So, right, right. Um, so I also wonder what else was going on and what what else was going on between right. him and Warner Brothers, where they it was just like it was. It's usually it's the last straw. Unfortunately, yeah. it's yeah. usually that there's way more going on that we don't actually know about. Totally. Um, yeah. But you know, obviously, it's actually that's incredibly. Us, yeah. People don't know this, but it's actually incredibly hard to blacklist somebody you wouldn't think it because we've yes, certainly talked yeah. a lot about cancel culture but i know just in my little world um if there's an allegation against somebody it doesn't mean that they just suddenly don't get brought in for things there has to be a well, lot yeah. and also of the investigation of cancel culture in most cases is just reputations being affected not right. actually you know like no one's actually Two people have gone to jail, uh, but uh, in general, yeah. people's livelihood hasn't been threatened in any way. So, yeah, um, I do wonder, though, about guys like him and Harvey Weinstein, where it's like, yeah, they can go live on their own island because they have billions of dollars. Yeah. But like, I do still wonder if the uh, loss of the actual power is enough to still really piss them off, even though right. they're not being affected financially. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that Harvey is pissed beyond belief that the industry has done fine without him. Like it just kept going yeah. without a hitch without yeah. him because part of the ego that makes them behave this way to people yeah. is the fact that they consider themselves so essential that they're above the law. A hundred percent. And so like, I do wonder about that. Not that I, <laughs> feel sympathetic in any way but yeah i'm fascinated by the human the, the corrupted human mind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um particularly because i've never been someone who's ever been attracted to the idea of like owning people or like being um uh, taking advantage of people in any way and so i'm fascinated by people who think that way yeah anyway um before i go on for another four hours about that <laughs> and really ruin everyone's coffee mike newell has directed some of the most popular british films made since the 90s though his career goes back to his beginning on british television in the late 60s helming episodes of coronation street feature films entered his filmography in the 80s his first acclaimed feature the 1985 drama dance with the stranger with Miranda Richardson, which is about the last woman who was executed in Britain before they abolished the death penalty. Oh, yeah, that movie, yeah. Mm -hmm. Followed by the highly successful Enchanted April, which is so delightful, and the runaway hit comedy Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is a movie I have never gotten sick of no matter how many times I've watched it, mm. and was not, and was my Greek aunt's favorite movie of all time, oh, and that's great. was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture and earned him a BAFTA for Best Director. He followed it with Donnie Brasco, Pushing Tin, Mona Lisa Smile, and the fourth Harry Potter film film the goblet of fire most recently in 2018 he directed the title that makes Mark, marco not sleep at night the guernsey <laughs> literary and potato peel pie society he was born on this day in saint albans england in 1942 he's always like what what's that movie it's like you remember when i i remember sitting next to you on a yeah. plane watching it and yeah. you still don't have any remembrance of that movie what it's called who's in it what it's about you're always like what is it what is it oh anyway we I love worked him. with someone who loved that book. So when it came out, when it came out on Netflix, mm -hmm. she was like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch that this weekend." I'm like, "Okay." I didn't mind it. I you listen. I watched. I didn't it. mind it either. But why get excited about a Lily James movie? There's going to be another one in two minutes anyway. <laughs> I watched it on a plane, yeah. um, which is the perfect place to watch that movie, as far as I'm Absolutely. concerned. It's a perfect place to watch a lot of movies, but definitely that movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dirk Bogart read about my favorite actor, one of my favorite actors, Amanda. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do Do you want to take no, it? No, I want to hear you. You want to hear it. me butcher it? No, we'll there's hear... no foreign name, so you're going to be fine. Dirk Bogart. 
Okay. All right. You've already, you've already <laughs> done it. Bo- Bogart? Bogart. Yeah. I mean, I am a Bogart, so, yeah. uh, but I don't, we don't, my Bogarts don't spell it like this Bogart. Well, no wonder you tripped on it. <laughs> All right. Let's try it again. Dirk right. Bogart made his debut in London's West End in 1940 at the age of 19, then by the mid 50s had become one of England's most sought after leading men and romantic heroes. He became a star with the films Doctor in the House, The Sleeping Tiger, Cast a Dark Shadow and Simba, later earning BAFTA awards in the 60s for The Servant and Darling and appeared in the Hollywood biopic of Frank Litz, Song Without End. Later, roles include Visconti's The Damned, Liliana Cavani's The Night Porter, and the 1977 war film A Bridge Too Far. He appeared in two episodes of Sex in the City. Um, <sighs> Marco, Jesus. <laughs> I thought that's interesting no, because his death in 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and The Neighbor's Friend. Yeah. What's The Neighbor's Friend? Is that just I, I don't know. <laughs> Marco. He's not the one Charlotte uh, had sex with. No, he's not the rabbi. rabbi. No. Anyway, he made his final appearance in Bertrand. (laughs) Of course, it's like your favorite one. He had to go into the one that you cared the most about. He made his final appearance in Bertrand. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why he does this because he's the one who has to edit it. Well, and also he. It's never funny. That's what I'm gonna. He's listening to Red. It's not funny, Marco. It's pretty funny. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm I, I'm I'm trying not to pee You're in his chair money. because I'm laughing right. so hard. Anyway, right. he made his final appearance in Bertrand Tavernier's touching family drama Daddy Nostalgia in 1990. I don't know what's real anymore. Daddy Nostalgia doesn't sound like a real movie. It nine is. nine years before his death at the age of 78, he was not in They Shoot Horses Don't Pay. He's he the only not, one no. that was not in that movie. He was born on this day in London, England, in 1921. Uh, I actually just watched Daddy Nostalgia again the other day because I'm writing a column on Bertrand Tavernier, mm-hmm. who incidentally died yesterday. Um, and it's uh, it, it's uh, Dirk Bogard and Jane Birkin actually co-starring in it. Oh, wow. It's a lovely film. Yeah. Oh. Set in the Riviera. Beautiful. I, I like her purses. Yes, although she asked to have her name removed, but they haven't done it. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, Another British legend, Flora Robson, rarely played leads, but she was an unforgettable supporting presence, first as a performer at the Old Vic, later in British cinema in such classics as The Rise of Catherine the Great and A Gentleman of Paris, and then in Hollywood in Wuthering Heights and The Seahawk. She was nominated for an Oscar in Saratoga Trunk in 1945, played Tata Tita in Caesar and Cleopatra with Vivian Lee, and co-starred in my favorite movie, Black Narcissus. Her career continued steadily until her final appearance as a Stygian witch in Clash of the Titans in 1981, three years before her death at the age of 82. She was born on the day in South Shields, England in 1902. Well, what a day it has been. National Indeed. Weed Appreciation Day. Go pick yeah. some Chicoria. Go smoke some weed. Go smoke some weed. Uh, take some echinacea if you're feeling uh, like you mm-hmm. need to fight off a few things. But mostly, just enjoy your March 28th. Uh, once again, I'm Amanda Barker. I'm Bill Antonio. And this was Born on This Day. <laughs>